You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show a part of your day. If you're brand new to the show, welcome. I hope that you're having uh, a good day. And uh, If you've been here a long time, also welcome. Welcome back. If you're new to the show and you want to be uh, welcomed back next week, uh, make sure you subscribe to the feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, there are links on the website to make that easy. And if you have trouble, drop me a message and I will help you out. So um, this week on the show, uh, you know, the season is getting closer. We're just two friendlies away from actually uh, playing against Burnley. Um I'm getting more and more excited as the days go by. Uh, and I know that my guest this week, Chris Huskins, is also uh, gearing up for the season. Um, but we spoke on Friday uh, before the 2 0 win over Dijon, but it wasn't streamed. So if you're looking for highlights and analysis and all that stuff, uh, you won't find it on this podcast, but it's one more friendly uh, with limited kind of access. So uh, enjoy the highlights that are on the website or on the Twitter accounts or whatever. Um, that's basically all we know. Uh, and it sounded like everybody played just fine. Um, we'll see as the guys will have two friendlies coming up during the week um, against Celta Vigo and Borussia Mönchengladbach. So we won't really dive into that. But with Chris, he's a lifelong Southampton fan. He's born in Southampton, um, lived there most of his life. And he's somebody that I respect a lot professionally. Uh, Chris works with podcasts. He, he's a digital marketer, uh, a bunch of other things like that. But he is someone that I've found um, I don't even know how really, um, but I've asked questions of him about, about the podcast, about uh, how to make it better. And, and I've worked with him and I'm a member of his um, new, newly launched website, um, Pod Tips Pro. So um, just have that in mind. And so um, this week, as it goes, I have a guy who's a Southampton fan who I respect very much, who does podcasting for a living. And I have maybe the worst audio that I've had, and I had the worst trouble with audio that I've had in uh, in in a long, long time. So uh, it is not Chris's fault; it is one hundred percent my fault, and I I can't even explain what happened. But I had a lot of trouble. I had a lot of feedback and noise in the Skype call, so it was difficult to edit out. And there's some echo, and uh, it, it's a bit of a mess. But hopefully, I cleaned it up enough to make it uh, uh, you know decent to listen to. Um, but you will hear some rather harsh, maybe cuts. Um, that hopefully you don't notice. I mean, normally on a podcast, uh, on this show, I talk to my guests for about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. Um, and you get about an hour of it and hopefully you never know the difference. Hopefully you never know that we've cut stuff out, uh, move things around, maybe in order, the order that you're hearing them or whatever. Um, and that's all the result of editing this week though. Um, you'll go, man, that seemed a little harsh, but hopefully it just goes over your, 
over your head and uh, hopefully you can just kind of move on and, and forget about it. That's, that's really my hope. Um, and if you can't, I'm sorry, uh, we'll do better next time. I think I've, I fixed the problem. Um, it, it doesn't matter. That's all I'm frustrated, but you don't have to be. So anyway, Chris Huskins, uh, digital marketer, podcast guy. If you're interested in podcasting, learning more about it, how to, how to plan, build or grow your podcast, uh, visit the links in the show notes. Uh, that will help you out. Chris gives out uh, lots and lots of tips on, on all kinds of stuff around podcasts. So I can't recommend him enough. He's at Chris Huskins on Twitter and Instagram, and he's at plan, build, grow on Facebook. And the links to all those are in the show notes as well as his LinkedIn account. So, uh, make sure you go do that. But for now, uh, this is a rather lengthy episode. Um, so Chris Huskins and I talking everything from his early days of the Dell, uh, all the way up and through this season. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. And I will talk to you after the interview. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Chris Huskins. Uh, Chris is a, a podcast guy, a digital marketer, a storyteller, speaker. He runs uh, a couple of businesses. Uh, he's on Twitter at Chris Huskins. Uh, he's also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Chris, welcome to the show. I, we've talked several times kind of back and forth uh, about podcasting and about a, done a number of other things. And I'm a member of, of Pod Tips Pro. Uh, which is a, a company and, and a kind of a podcasting thing that you run. We'll talk about that. So uh, welcome to the show and uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's rare that I get to mix uh, sort of business or, or podcasting and, and my favorite football club, which I've, <laughs> I've been able to talk about for, for many, many years. So it's rare I get to come on and do a podcast about Southampton. So it's great to be here. Oh, well, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. And, you know, uh, you are... You live in Southampton, which is, I find it interesting because it seems like a lot of the places I go for podcast help or, um, you know, audition help. Um, there's Mike Murphy who lives on the Isle of Wight and runs that thing on the Isle of Wight. There's you. And it seems like you're all down in Southampton. So I think for, you know, I, I, I was drawn to the club before uh, I ever did any kind of podcast, but it seems like I've chosen the right place. Maybe. I mean, from where I'm stood, it always seems that things are in London and, and over where you guys are. So uh, it's nice to hear that. And it's nice that things are going on down here. I mean, we had a few meetups and there are podcasters about in, in remote areas, even like Southampton, that aren't the big, I mean, they're a big city, but it's not like London or Manchester. So it's, uh, it's great that there are people around in the local area and it just shows how big podcasting has got. Yeah. And I think it's also kind of done this, you know, if, if people could see where I was podcasting from, um, I have gel pens to my, to my right. I have coloring books to my left. Um, I have towels all over the rest of everything to kind of make it so it doesn't sound like I'm in an echoey chamber. Um, but you know, that's the beauty of of this is it doesn't have to be, uh, the big fancy studio in, in, uh, in the middle of London to make it work. Exactly. And there are some amazing podcasts that have come from just doing it exactly like you and I are, and, and they went from a bedroom to a studio to having like 30 staff and now they're, they're making huge amounts of money from them. And it all starts, every single one starts in, in a room with someone's passion. And that's why I love them, I think. Just always comes from something somebody loves and loves to talk about. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that I've learned from, from you, especially uh, over the past, you know, a couple of, of months is, uh, is, is just what, what that is. And it makes me, I don't know, less self-conscious about what I'm doing. And so I think 
if nothing else, thank you for that. And I've learned a lot of other stuff from you as well. So oh, that's kind. Thank you. No, not at all. But we'll talk about uh, Pod Tips Pro and all that stuff in just in just a, a bit. But like, let's get your history with uh, Southampton kind of um, mm-hmm. out there. If that's okay. Um, yeah. Are you are you are you from the South Coast originally, or did you move down there? Or how like what was childhood like? I I'm born and bred Southampton. Um, so I was actually born in the St. Mary a hospital in St. Mary's, um, which it it was the nicer end because <laughs> if you go around where the stadium is now, it does look a little rough. It's gone downhill. Um, but I was I was born in in a hospital near near to where the stadium is now. Um, I grew up in Southampton, and and so it was just a natural natural thing for me that I followed my local team, and uh, and it was. 25 years yeah 25 years I think ago I went to my first game um, and that was at the Dell and it, it, as soon as I went as soon as I felt that that buzz that warmth I knew that I was going to be I was going to be there for life okay and who who took you to that first game uh, it was my dad so my dad was a season ticket at the Dell at the time um, and he used to sit in what was called the Archer's End, which is like the, it was the noisy end. It was like the Northern now. So it was, uh, it was noisy. It was singing and I was only six. And so, um, he gave his season ticket to someone else for that game and bought us tickets in what was the Milton Road End, which was like still a bit noisy, but uh, he knew that it wouldn't be as sweary and as like, um, not hooligany. We were never really hooligans to some fans, were they? But, um, but it wasn't as bad as, as the other end. So he actually gave up a season ticket, bought two tickets and took me to this game um, against, I think it was Bradford. And, and where are they now? So it was a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that is, that's awesome that he would, that one, that he took you, because uh, it's not always, especially if it's like kind of like your thing, if that's, if you have your own ticket and you go to that, uh, I know yeah. as a father to like, you know, it's something you, you do happily is to give up kind of the things that you enjoy to, to even just change it up a little bit with your kids. But, um, that's awesome that he would give up the ticket and and put you in a a slightly safer area. Um, and, uh, actually there's a guy on Twitter called the, the archers road End. he does a blog and he, uh, he's filled me in on the, uh, on the archers end. And so I've, I've enjoyed, uh, uh, that little kind of, you know, whatever the stand (laughs) is. And, and for me, the Dell is all, it's all history. I, I, yeah. you know, I never got to see it. Um, so it's just all the stories and, you know, you, you, you hear what you constantly hear the radio clips of, of Matt Letizia scoring the final goal there. And you know, that whole, that whole thing. So it's, it's a, uh, yeah, sounds like it was a magical place. And I'm glad you got to, to experience it at least. It's quite a strange one because obviously that if you go back in the history of Southampton, then St. Mary's, the name sort of comes from the church in Southampton. Um, However, the Dell was almost the church, really, for Southampton. It's almost like the, the home ground. And I, I probably shouldn't admit this live on a podcast, but I've got parts of it still. Ooh. So, so there was, um, there was a, a final game at the Dell, um, which was after the Premier League game, they did like a final game. And uh, <laughs> it's probably one of the best memories I have because uh, everyone was taking their seats. So there was a guy sort of two seats in front of me with a tool belt that he had smuggled into the game. And uh, he was swapping seats with people and taking the backs of the seats off so you could take them home with you because it was only going to be destroyed. Right. And uh, <laughs> so I've still got my seat. That, and it was from the Archers Road in the end. So my dad let me go into the Archers Road eventually when I grew up a bit. 
That's and, awesome. Uh, and at one point there was, um, they were singing stand up if you can't sit down because obviously everyone had stolen this. <laughs> and then, uh, it got to, it must've only got to like the 85th minute at which point everyone got far too excited and every single member of the crowd was on the pitch. Yeah. Um, run on the pitch and they were taking parts of it and it, it was fine. I think it was, it was kind of not, the club weren't like take it, but they weren't saying don't take it. Yeah. So it seemed fine. And, uh, Maybe. someone dug up a little bit of the center circle for me, which is planted in my parents' garden. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we've got the, the seat and a, and a bit of the center circle from the original bell. So oh, that's awesome. I, I probably shouldn't admit that, but they, yeah. yeah. I just want to meet over there digging it up, trying to <laughs> take a spot kick from it or anything. So, um, well, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty significant memory then that you have. And I, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when, when the Dell was retired, I guess, or when, when that game kind of happened? Oh my goodness. Uh, I can't even remember to be fair. I can't remember what year it closed. Um, I can't remember to be honest. It was, it was a great day though. And then, then I remember for weeks after going up to the site that um, St. Mary's was being built on and I've got photos this is how long ago it was it they're actual photographs that were printed at a photograph shop um of it being built okay um because there was like a viewing platform so i went up and took photos so uh, that's how long ago it was i don't know how many years ago it was all right all right it was great it was awesome um i mean aside from that like is your is your dad or are you a season ticket holder currently or or no at the moment no i'm I was a season ticket holder for a long time. So my dad was, and then he stopped and then I carried it on. Um, and I went into that whole thing where we went down and we were season ticket holders while we were down and going through those years. And then the last couple of years, um, my dad had to sort of is working away so he can't get to as many games. Okay. And I've been building these companies. So I couldn't get to as many games, but I get to as many as I can. Um, I just think if you buy a season ticket, you've got to be able to get to enough that it's worth the, worth the cash otherwise just i'm just going and buying them one by one but right. i really wish i could be i'd love to be up there every single saturday but um but yeah things uh get in the way unfortunately well yeah i mean you're you're in charge of three companies that's a, a that, that'll get in the way of yeah, everything you could possibly want to do in life um but, but i can i can honestly say i didn't miss watching a game um whether that be online or on telly Right. And all of last season, I just, I, I can't bring myself to miss it. <laughs> so I haven't, I, I didn't miss a game all of last season in terms of watching it on telly or online. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still in my heart, very much ingrained and I don't think that'll ever go away. Right. I, I can tell you that I get very upset when anything is scheduled at like 8am on a Saturday because games kick off at seven usually. And it's like, I'll be there at uh, nine. Yeah, I'm not going to get there before nine because <laughs> and my wife's like, well, we got to do this. I'm like, no, like, it, you know, this is important. And she's like, I can't believe you're, you know, you're actually going to let us walk out the door, me and both kids. And you're going to sit here. And, yep, absolutely. And uh, that's and, it. Well, it's, it's three o'clock Saturday afternoons normally for us, or it used to be especially. Right. And so that meant that whole of Saturdays were taken out, especially when we were going. It was like in the pub about as soon as it opened at 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. and run across the park into the ground at about 10 to 3. <laughs> uh, kick off at 3, you'd just about make it for kickoff. And then it, depending on the result, you'd either be celebrating with, with a couple of beers or, or drowning your sorrows with a couple of beers after. So, yeah, I, I understand that conversation when we were going. It used to be all day. Yeah. 
I'm trying to convince, we just had a, uh, one of the bigger bars where I live down the street, um, change ownership. And I'm trying to talk them into, you know, once a month or so opening, we can't serve alcohol here in California before 6am. Uh, it's against the law, but we're trying to get them to open for some of the 7am matches or maybe whenever, whatever that nine, whatever the late kickoff on Saturday is for you guys, uh, maybe yeah. open for that and see if we can get them to just do some sort of special thing. Cause they're not usually open that early, but, uh, they're, they're contemplating it. And luckily my brother is, uh, a frequent patron and plays on their softball team and has friends there. So I think he's, he's doing most of the talking for me, which is nice. Cause I don't, I don't like it's to get who in there. You know, right. It's who you know. <laughs> yeah. I think um, there's, there's a lot of different time scheduled. I mean, the last couple of seasons has been a bit odd. Like last season, didn't they start trying in the front? What for us was Friday night games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're, I've got to look at the picture list because I don't know if they're doing that this year. Cause I know it, it caused hell for some fans. Cause I think one of the Friday night games was, away at Man United, yes. which is a good like five-hour trip from, from Southampton. And so to try and get there after work on a Friday, so like you finish work at five and try and get up there by quarter to eight, if you had a, a ticket for that, it's not, it's not possible. No. And they were only doing it so that they got more money from Sky. And so I don't know if they're doing that this year. Hopefully not. They, um, they do have some schedule, and I know that they're, you know, I think we play on a Monday at some point, which is... Uh, Th- those games are hard for me because I'm at work. It's the middle of the day, but yeah, um, I try not to complain because I don't have to make the five hour drive to Manchester after you know <laughs> work. I just have to, you know, schedule a meeting that doesn't exist so I can be in my office and have the game on. Yeah, um, and and you guys have way more access to the games on TV or online than we do. Yeah, which I don't think it seems so strange because it is literally a few miles down the road for me that it is it's physically there. Yeah, it's really, and I have to use sites that probably aren't completely honest and legal to be able to watch that game other because it's not on sky and it's not on any of the UK TV channels, which, um, which, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird setup in this country, but, um, thank goodness for, for your channels and channels from abroad. Cause it means that I can watch all the games if I can't get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's when I was in, uh, London on vacation, um, wanting to watch a game and I had to go down to a, a, a pub. I couldn't watch it in the, uh, in the hotel at all. Um, and the Manchester Derby was on and I was trying to watch it. We had just gotten back from being out all day and, you know, I'm flipping through all the channels and I called the front desk and I'm like, no, we don't get it, but you can go next door and, and, and watch it. And I walked mm-hmm. in, the pub was completely packed. Everybody's, you know, watching it. The game ends and about 10 minutes after it was gone, there was nobody in the, in the, in the pub at all. And it was like, well, <laughs> that's how it goes, I guess. Yeah, and it was the same for the uh, for the World Cup recently. I went to watch uh, one of the England games at the pub down the road, and the minute the final whistle went, it was like before you couldn't get to the bar to get a drink. As soon as the final whistle went, it was cleared out. You could have helped yourself. <laughs> it was funny the way that happened here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, going back to kind of when you were, before we were drinking age, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, did you have a favorite player kind of kind of growing up? Or, you know, were you a... Were you there during the era of Matt Letizia or was it more, was it, was there somebody else that kind of caught your eye as a, as a, as a child? Yeah. So I was at the tail end of Letizia, um, but he was, he was an incredible player. Um, in fact, he was, he was at the, uh, at my, uh, my godparents' son is a chef at a restaurant just down the road and he was there the other day and my, my godparents' son was cooking him dinner and he's still a lovely guy. You see him around Southampton still and he's always stopped for a photo and a chat and lovely guy. 
But the player that really stood out for me, and I just I think he's a bit of a cult hero, is a hero now for Southampton, was Marion Pahars. Uh-huh. Who uh, he's, I think he's the Latvian international manager now. Um, but back he sort of joined in 1999, um, and he was just incredible. He he linked up with James Beattie for like a few seasons, and they just they just took teams apart. They're incredible, and he was the one for me. And I think the reason why was one he was a great goal scorer. He was a little guy, get his head down and run. But the thing that I loved was that every time a goalkeeper got the ball at the other end. You know now people give them loads of room. He would sprint even if he was back at the <laughs> by the opposite goalkeeper. He would sprint up there and just put loads of pressure on the on the keeper. Huh. And that became made him a sort of a fan's favorite. He would just always have loads of energy, run down, really aggravate players. Um, and he was yeah he was awesome. So Marion Bahas yeah he was a, a bit of a cult hero. It sounds a bit like Shane Long only he could actually score. Um, <laughs> he's no, exactly like Shane Long except he could score yeah yeah you're right I hate to I hate to be mean to Shane Long but it's <laughs> it's it's become you know there was a point in my life where I prided myself on not taking you know the the easy the easy shot but it's sometimes you just yeah it, you have to it, and it makes sense at points but I try not to be mean about it but I'd see I really like him and I think that um he it's that work ethic that I do love Mm-hmm. And I think that he will go back to scoring. He's just in one of those horrible, horrible droughts. But what I do feel is that we may have sold the wrong player in that we got rid of um, Rodriguez, who has done nothing but score for, for where he's gone. And, uh, mm-hmm. and we kept Shane Long. Um, maybe we, maybe it was his time. I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, um, Pahaz was, was the equivalent <laughs> that he could score. I remember it was so... It was like his second ever game for Southampton, and this was back in 99, and he came on with like 12 minutes ago. I can't remember who it was against, but we were like, we were down and out that season. We were close to what we were last season. We were like two points into the relegation zone, only like four games to go. Everyone was writing us off, and he came on and scored within a few minutes, which got us a draw, and then after that, him and James Beattie just kept scoring together, kept working off each other. And I think we went on like a five, four game un- unbeaten run, um, which made us survive that year. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I think that's probably where the memory comes from as well. He's helped save us so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nowadays watching the team and, and, and just looking at them, is there, is there anybody in recent memory that's kind of stood out to you? Is it somebody's is, you know, is it Shane Long? Cause for me, you know, I, I have gravitated towards defenders. Um, I really like Ryan Bertrand. Uh, I really enjoyed watching watching Font play um, Van Dyke as well. Uh, but in terms of of Shane Long and forwards like that work ethic, I think that that kind of industrious kind of nature as as an as a baseball player as an as an American uh, who grew up watching guys and just really I, I always found myself supporting the guy who was going to grind out the 17 year career, you know, mm. be an all-star once in his life and hit 275, but never be this big, um, you know, giant star. I, I like those guys, um, which makes me like Shane Long a little bit, but also makes me make fun of him as well. Um, <laughs> for you in, in recent memory, who kind of stands out now that, that maybe you enjoy watching, even if it's not necessarily a Saints player? Yeah, I mean, um, we've lost so many incredible players, haven't we? I mean, the world's most expensive player, Gareth Bale, was was a Southampton player. Um, 
and he's incredible to watch. But if you look at just in recent years, you look at Adam Lallana, for example, who's, who's now at Liverpool. He was incredible when he played for us. He was just this amazing playmaker. Um, and they had an amazing chant for him. Um, I don't know if you, do you know the one about Adam Lallana? No, all the ones that I've heard about him are, are pretty obscene and I won't, I won't mention them now. <laughs> so it was something like, uh, he plays on the left, he plays on the right. Adam Lallana makes messy look and it rhymes with, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I got that. It rhymes with right. And it, it makes him, and it was amazing because at that time he, you honestly could say he might go head to head with, head to head with Messi at some point. Like, and I don't know his move to Liverpool and he's suffered some injuries. So he's not, not quite back where he was, but when he played for Saints, he was an incredible. Um, and he was knocking in goals left, right and centre. And and the player you mentioned as well, Font. I really loved Font um, uh, for a couple of reasons. He was an incredible defender. I thought that he was a bit of a Southampton man, like he, he lived and breathed it. Uh-huh. Um, and he has incredible tattoos on his arms and he has quite skinny arms. Uh-huh. So I think and, and I have tattoos on my arms and I have quite skinny arms. So he's repping it for the skinny guy having tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> so I quite liked that. Um, but no, and, and even when he went to West Ham, I still follow him on, on Instagram. And I think he's a nice family guy. So I liked him. Yeah, I, I found that, that following guys on Instagram is, you know, I, there are a couple of fan pages like of Dusan Tadic that I still follow because and it's mm-hmm. going to keep me up to date with all of what's going on. Um, and then you just like, you know, but I now find myself like, where is the saints news? You know, I'm scrolling through, <laughs> I have all of these other players who play for other places. And, you know, I'm, uh, the number of, of shirtless, uh, dudes on vacation in the summer, my wife's like, what's up with your Instagram feed? You know, what's going on? <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, this, these are all the guys from, from the football team that now are, are, you know, Cedric stories is in, is in, you know, an Island or, or doing yes. something, um, in bright pink shorts, which is great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's a he's allowed. He can do what he wants. He won the European Cup, didn't he? So he can do whatever he wants. He can wear whatever shade of shorts he likes as long as he comes back. Yeah, and plays absolutely. well next season. Um, the one thing about him, and then we'll, we'll move on. Have you seen the the comparison of him smiling to Chandler from Friends in America? I don't know if you've seen it online, but they both I have, have this. Not, kind of, but I need to see that. that yeah, makes, that sounds um, amazing. It's it's pretty spot on. It makes me laugh every time <laughs> I see it. So I'll have to I'll have to find it and send it to you. Yeah, please do. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, but before we we move on and talk about current Saints stuff, um, let's 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 talk about uh, what you have going on. Uh, you just launched last week Pod Tips Pro. Um, tell us a little bit about that for anybody that may be listening or, or interested or, or you know anything like that. Yeah, sure. So, um, it, Pod Tips Pro in its most basic form is a membership site for podcasters, but. Let me tell you why I started it and it'll sort of, um, sort of ring true what it is, is that there's a lot of people podcasting just like yourself. Um, there's hundreds of thousands of people doing it all over the world. And a lot of people are looking for help and support every day. They're Googling things, they're joining communities. And then some people are going that step further and paying for courses. And what you find is these courses are like anything from 500 to $3,000. And it's just a course. So you go in, you watch the videos, you might have a bit of chat in the comments under the videos, but whether it's like a couple of hours or two days of courses, that's it. So you've paid all this money and then it's over and the support stops, you've paid so the chat stops. And then do you really take action on it? Does it really teach you? And I wanted to create something different from that. So I'm from a radio background. I was a radio presenter for years. I'm doing commercial radio all over the UK. 
And even then, even after doing it for eight years, every single month we would get training. Someone would have listened into a part of a show and say, well, this worked well, this didn't work well for the audience. Do you think we could do it this way and try that next time? And that's what I wanted to do for podcasters. I wanted to have the course, but then give them the one-to-one support all the time that helps people to grow because you can't learn this stuff overnight. And I think, what is this episode 80-something, Matt? 81. 81. Yeah. So you, you all have been learning every single time you're doing it right. Uh-huh. And, and you are constantly learning. Even I am. I've been doing this for years and years and years now. I was a presenter before it and I still learn every time I do something. So if you take that learning, you highlight it with someone who's been doing it slightly longer and you get that support constantly, then it's only going to get better at a much faster rate. And I hated this idea that people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars for something that didn't give them that support. And that's why I created PodTips Pro, because you get the course, but you also get one-to-ones on a monthly basis with myself or my team. There's monthly webinars every month where we get some of the biggest people in the business to come and talk and about specific things in podcasting. There's uh, discounts in there that are currently are like, I think the value of the discounts combined are over $500. So that would pay for PodTips Pro for like two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the, the community sort of mastermind in there as well. And just that combination of things of community, training, and constant help, I think makes podcasts huge. And so that's why I created it. And that, that's what it is. And it, uh, yeah, it launched last week. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I don't know, it's been, it's been fun to kind of see this whole thing kind of develop, <clears throat> excuse me, from from my, you know, from, from a distance. I, I mean, I'm across the, I'm across the Atlantic ocean and across the United States, but we, the first time we ever talked was about, um, podcasting and I had a one-to-one yeah. with you. Um, and we, we kind of talked about the show and you, you gave me a lot of, of tips and I've cleaned up my social media kind of, uh, stuff from that. And yeah, so it's been, a you know, I've gotten a lot of help from you. Um, and then now I'm lucky enough to be a member of, of pod tips pro. And so it's, uh, it's exciting to, to kind of be there. And, and, um, uh, one of the things that you have, have done recently is you've do, you've started doing daily kind of short tips on, on IGTV, which, um, I've actually really enjoyed. I wasn't sure I was going to like IGTV, but it is just so easy to sit there, especially, I think the, the content that you've been putting out is somewhere between two and a half to, to four and a half or so minutes, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a 27 minute long video on YouTube that I am waiting for you to get to the one question I want. It's, it's answering that short, quick tip. Um, and, and then we move on and it's, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, That's you've made, you single-handedly have kind of made me look at IGTV in a different way because there's still, I think a lot of people missing out on, on that stuff because they're so used to shooting uh, video in the, uh, the other format in the landscape format. Yeah. So. It's a, well, that, that's an interesting one. It's great to hear. Thank you. Cause that's what it wants to do. I don't, I don't think that, 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 um, that that series of podcasting tips daily will ever be something that someone listens to every single episode. If they do amazing. They're probably getting most of my book for free. Um, but it's, it, it's to dip in and out. And the idea is like you say, Oh, I've got a question about podcast hosting. Okay. Well I can listen to this episode. It's only going to be a couple of minutes of my time because everyone's time is precious now and they can, and they can watch or listen to it. And Interesting you say about um, that sort of portrait filming because I actually film it in both. So that's, uh, that Podcasting Tips Daily is available as a podcast, an Alexa skill, 
a portrait video for Instagram TV and a landscape video for Facebook and LinkedIn. So it's um, I'm filming and recording in sort of four different ways at once when I do that, but That's just crazy. so that it's available to everyone. Yeah. Kind of looking at Saints from last season now, for me, this was really the first real flirting with relegation because I have only kind of been a fan since things were coming up and kind of were always on the, uh, on the rise, I guess. And, you know, so last year was, was tough. It was, uh, it was kind of my first experience because we don't have relegation in, in the United States. Um, so the Astros, my baseball team have been bad for a very long time. The dynamo have been up and down, but I've never had to worry about them, you know, kind of disappearing off the radar, um, in terms of TV coverage. Cause we talk about, about TV coverage for, for the Premier League teams being so great in the United States. Championship stuff, not as easy. It becomes much more expensive. And the times are just, quite frankly, less convenient um, because they play so many midweek games. But, um, you know, for you, what what was last year like in terms of, of watching the team? And, you know, were you were you thinking we were going down or were you did you kind of see this coming or was it a, a surprise to you? I kind of gone up and down with it. I mean, the first thing to say is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't new territory for me. Like, I think if you go back to just before, maybe it was just before you started watching Saints, but when we were in the Premier League, the first stint before we started going down and then coming back up, we were, uh, these, it was only us, only Man United have done it better. But for 28 years, we were in the top flight of English football, which was the Premier League for a long period of that. But before that, it was just called Division One before they sort of separated off and, and changed it to the championship and that sort of thing. But we were in that top flight for 28 years and only Man United have ever beaten us. So, um, which, which at the time meant we were sort of second in that. But for a long period of that time and a long period from me watching them from like six to watching until we did actually go down, we were fighting for relegation almost every year. Um, and it wasn't until sort of later in that that we actually got like a, an FA Cup final and we started finishing about eight that we are sort of started thinking, oh, we're a, we're a sort of a top of the table club rather than a, a bottom six club. So it wasn't new territory for me. So I wasn't as, as sort of petrified by it and upset by it because I knew that's where we've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I thought we'd go down, I did. I honestly, like I can say, honestly hold my hands up and say probably about 10 games left to go about Christmas. I thought that's it for us. And I, I'm going to get shot for saying this, but there was almost a part of me that felt like we should have and that we almost deserved to because we've gone through so many seasons of letting our best players go. And that season, last season at the beginning of the season, we didn't replace them with good enough players in some of those positions. We let the Lalanas, we let the Manes go, we let so many players go to Liverpool. And it almost felt like maybe the board needed to be taught a lesson. Um, I'm so glad it didn't happen. I'm so glad we didn't go down. And it looks like we're replacing players with, with some stronger calibre now. But um, yeah, I thought we were going to. And a part of me thought maybe we should have just to teach us a lesson. <laughs> Not yeah, bad. I, Is that bad to say? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think you're alone in that. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people were there with you. Um, and a lot of people just looked at what the, the, the business the club has done over the past few years and not felt like it was good enough. You know, I have been, I don't know, like I, I, I've said this before, but I am not a very positive person, but I try very hard to make my experience with the club a positive one. And I try to be 
I try to look at the bright side and I try, I, I always tell myself that the, the board has a plan and they are, you know, they're doing what they think is best. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, you can't do that all the time. Sometimes no, the board, the board has lost it a little bit and they're making poor decisions and that's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person for criticizing the board, you know? Um, and I had to, I had to learn that. And I think last year was a big learning curve for me in, in, in terms of that. Um, the fact that I was podcasting kind of all the way through it was also difficult because a lot of weeks it was just, you know, can we get through this without crying? Um, (laughs) and, and can we find something in there to, to kind of give us the, the will to go forward with, with all of this, you know? Um, I I think sometimes we forget that, especially in, in UK football, especially premier league football, that, that we're still a business as well. Mm-hmm. It's still a massive football is a huge business and and there's so many disputes on so many other podcasts so we won't get into it about how maybe it shouldn't be and it should just be a sport but there's huge money in it and it's always going to be a business and I think at the beginning of last season we went through that period where the club was sort of partially sold Katarina Lieber was still trying to was still there keeping the the memory of her father alive and keeping things going but also wanted to get some of that money back. And there was just that feeling that actually maybe we just sold players to get money in and to draw. And we, we, we reached sort of, we, we haven't got debt anymore. They cleared that debt from the training ground that they built and all those things. Uh-huh. And so at the beginning of this year, I think it felt like it was more about money than buying good players. And I think that's why a lot of people did turn on the board this time around. However, I think that they've come out of that. And I think that they've not been afraid to spend some of the money this year. And, and so... I'm not, I'm not on their back. I never was anti-board or anti-Les Reed or anything like that. I think that it was just the timing. And I'm, I am really glad that we survived because we forget how difficult it is to come back up. And we forget the amount of money you lose from not having the Sky deal. And it's, it's really difficult. And that's why so many teams from the Premier League that do go down, go down again and have to go on a big journey like we did years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, you see what the... Uh how tough the championship is and just how different it is when you look at granted it was a preseason game, but our, our, our match against Darby County just last week where those guys were very physical. Um, yeah. y- you know, I think had we gone down, I mean, Buffal's out on loan now anyway, but had we gone down, there's no chance Buffal survives a season in the championship. He's just not <laughs> built for that. You know, Tadich, I think would be great. He would go down to the ground a lot, but I think he was And I, this is where I, I get, I will get in trouble for defending Tadich. I, I, I love him. Um, and so, you know, I think he's strong enough to be able to give it back a little bit. And I think yeah. in my head, I, I just chalked it up to him being from Serbia and him, like those guys are just a little bit tougher than, um, you know, <laughs> my soft middle American class self. And so, um, I, and I would hate to. He takes his shirt off a lot and the guy is ripped, isn't he? So, he I mean, he, he definitely could hold his own. Yeah. Um, it's a shame to see him go. It really is. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know, watching him run onto the field the other night for, for Ajax and his first appearance for the club was like, you know, it, it hurt a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good for him. It's, it's the move he wanted. And I, and you don't begrudge him that because he played, there was never a time for me, at least while watching him when he was looking for a move, you know, um, last year in the relegation battle, he really stepped up and, and played better than he had played kind of in two seasons. And so mm. for that, I, I really am, am grateful because he could have easily said, you know, I have a world cup coming up. I, I'm going to get a move. I don't want to get hurt you know, watch me just refuse to warm up, 
you know, and, or, yeah. or, 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 or train hard or play hard. And he didn't do that. So uh, a lot We've of respect. We've seen that from so many players, haven't we? We've seen that behavior come out of so many players. A contract means nothing anymore. They refuse to play. They end up training with other parts of the team. I won't mention anyone <laughs> Van Dyke. And then we, uh, <laughs> and we find ourselves in that really difficult position, but he didn't do that. He didn't leave halfway through a season. That's so important to me. I really don't like this sort of window in the middle of the season where players get to move around. I think if we abolish that, we'd get a lot more loyalty from players. And he didn't do that. He waited till the end. He got even better towards the end of it. And do you know what? I, I, I don't know why. I kept saying this, and my, my wife and my dad kept saying, why do you keep saying that? But it felt like at that end, where he, I think he ended up in his pants. The guy likes to get naked a lot. I know he does. But he ended up in his pants walking around, and it felt like he was saying goodbye. And I kept saying that, and they kept saying, why are you saying that? I was like, I don't know, I just got this feeling that he just played his way out of the season. He was amazing, he played really well, he fought, and that was his way of saying thank you for the last couple of years. And so I can't, I, I get upset when players leave, and there are some players that I still boo, <laughs> which I shouldn't do when they, when they come on for certain teams, but him, he will never be one of them. And he's, he's one I'll keep following on Instagram and, and making sure he's doing all right. Yeah, no, I... Going back to, to what you said about him kind of getting all the way down into, uh, you know, nothing uh, and giving away. <laughs> I mean, because he gave away his boots, he gave away his, his shorts, he gave away his shirt. He didn't I don't even think he had socks on. I think it was just the uh, the <laughs> underwear, which which for one thing I play when I play, I wear like long compression shorts, like almost down to my knee. Um, they're actually in many instances longer than the actual shorts, the team shorts that we that we wear. But like um I don't know how you play in in what he plays in. Um, I just yeah, think about he had sliding. Yeah, proper on, didn't he? It was, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't imagine they wore that. I, I wear similar to you, but they're not long, but they're they're um, like boxer shorts, but that our compression keeps. Yeah. Without being crude, everything in the right place. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't imagine playing in, in what he did, but there we go. No, he, I mean he's he's got less clothing on than Cedric on the beach, which is uh, <laughs> which is hard to do. <laughs> But thinking back to that, it did seem like he was, he was saying goodbye. And now of course it's easier, I think. And this is always like, I, I was a, I'm a history teacher. So, you know, you, you, ha you're watching it happen in real time. And then as you reflect and things kind of play out, how much does that change kind of what I was seeing? And when I think about it now, you know, how does what, where he's at now play on my memory of, of what I was seeing then. And so yeah, I find that, uh, I think it's really interesting, but but in terms of, of, of this window now, you know, uh, we have several players out on loan. We have Buffal's out on loan. Classy's out on loan again. Uh, Carrillo is out on loan. We brought in some players, you know, Armstrong, El Nusi, Gunn, Vestergaard. Do you think the team is, 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 is turning a bit? Do you think we're, we've realized that we kind of got lucky last year and that we're kind of addressing those issues or, or do you think that the board is still kind of missing a piece or, or two or I, I guess just how do you how are you feeling now going in as we approach the season I, I do you know what I feel really positive and I'm going to just ignore the derby result because they've yeah. had a lot more preseason games and all that kind of thing we could talk about that to a blow in the face but I feel a lot more confident in some of the players we've bought I also feel way more confident in the manager and I think that he I think that if we had started the season with the players we had but we had someone like Hughes in who can get the best out of players that maybe aren't to the right standard. I think we would have been middle table and quite easily survived. I honestly do. And that's not to slag off Pellegrino or Pure before him. It's just to say that he gets the best out of players that aren't, that aren't top, top level. And, um, 
I really believe that he would have would have done that again. So I feel like some of the players, and Tadic is a great example. He's got the best out of Tadic we've seen in a few years, mm-hmm. and he was getting players to score. He was getting players to defend well. He changed it up to a way that was positive football. And so I have massive faith in a manager. And even if we hadn't brought some of these names in, I think we'd have been okay for survival. The people we've brought in have made me excited for doing what we've done in the last couple of years, even going back to, to pre-Pure when we were finishing eighth. Right. I mean, Yannick Vestergaard looks incredibly strong. Um, I saw an amazing meme on the internet of, of um, I think it said some, it had like a picture of Vestergaard and a picture of Van Dyke. And it had like Van Dyke looking really miserable, and it said something like, "When your ex is far better looking, <laughs> when your ex's new fling is far better looking, or something." <laughs> it really made me laugh. I have to jump in. I put that out there. Did you? Was that yours? That was mine. Ah, I'm amazing. very excited. Oh, I shared it. I saw it and yes. shared it. It really made me laugh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, that makes me feel good because I'm in a I'm in a group chat, and this is this is exposing way too much of myself here. I'm 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 32. I'm almost 33. I'm in a group chat with a bunch of people who are much younger than me. And oftentimes I have, I, I will come up with something and I'll Photoshop it and I'll put it in the group. And they're like, what about this? If I write this and they just go like, that's a dad joke. Nobody's going to like that. Um, (laughs) And then I, you know, I'll slap something together in two seconds and I'll go and I'll, I'll I'll put it in there as a joke and they go, Oh, you got to put that out there. Like that's, and I, I just, I I have no idea how the internet works that like, this is, (laughs) it's official. Um, I'm old and that's okay. So they said, it's yeah, okay. you got, you're, you only, got you're only a year ahead of me. And I, I, I made a living off of making dad jokes on radio. So it's okay. <laughs> um, and, and, and do you know what? It's funny though, because the internet's a weird place and we could talk about that for a few hours, but most people are just throwing as much to the wall as they can until it sticks. And that one thing that does stick makes them huge. And everyone forgets about all the bad jokes and the dad jokes they did before that and all the rubbish memes that they made over the last three years. It's a funny, funny old world. <laughs> but yeah, I love yeah. that. And, and uh, I completely agreed with the sentiment that you were getting across. I think Yannick looks stronger. He looks like more level-headed. He seems to have settled in. He, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this. It's, Southampton seems to have upped their social media game in the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. they're just showing real behind the scenes stuff and everyone looks really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I think it was it yesterday or the day before they had Charlie Austin like behind the scenes and he scenes and he was literally filming just going around the training session and he was obviously taking the mick out of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just feels like there's this real positivity in the camp that we definitely didn't have at the beginning of last season. No, no, uh, there was a, there was a dourness hanging over the club at the beginning of last season. And whether it was from a hangover from, from Claude Puel, whether it was the Van Dyke thing, whether it was just Pellegrino's nature and kind of how he, how he approached and just kind of had the laid, his laid backness. Um, mm. One of the guys that was on the guardian, I think kind of talked about him being like, so Zen and just kind of, you know, go with the flow. And that probably makes his life very, very enjoyable. <laughs> but it didn't make for a very enjoyable football season in terms of getting guys to to get up and go. So, um, no, I agree. And at that point, we needed someone to shake it up because Pure lost the fans, and that's the first manager I've seen in a long time that loses Saints fans. I've never seen the negativity in Southampton fans that we saw over the last like year, maybe even two. Mm-hmm. Just be- and I don't know where it came from. It all of a sudden felt like 
and I know loads of Stampton fans listen to this, so I'm going to get shot for saying this again, but it almost felt like we got to the point where we were just a load of like moaning myrtles as opposed to positive, like, we can do this Saints fans, which is what I grew up on, Saints fans, that were like, well, yeah, we're going to just get by the string of our teeth, but we were still singing with the best team in the world every week on the on the stands, and we lost that last season, and you could see that in in messages on, on, on forums, tweets, uh, call-ins to, to Solent, you could hear it at the games as well. You could really hear it at the games. Um, and, and Pellegrino needed to do something massive to shake that up. And I think you're right. His zen, his kind of laid-back approach, it didn't, it didn't work. And I don't. Maybe it'll work at this next place. You never know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he gets on at Leganes. And maybe, I mean, yeah. he's taking Korea with him uh, on loan mm. at least. And uh, you know, I'm not sure what that says about us, both Buffal and Korea, or or Buffal was at one point our record signing. Carrillo is our current record signing. Um, depending on the uh, the fees that go along with Vestergaard, maybe it will outweigh him eventually. But, um, you know, having those guys out on loan, whether it's, and you can throw Classy in there as well. And I've heard the argument made that, you know, the board has the black box kind of, you know, in terms of what they do yeah. with their scouting and things like that. I think Buffal was on the radar, but, that was definitely also kind of influenced by Puel coming from the French league and having a player like that. Um, Carrillo, very much a, a Pellegrino signing classy, you know, uh, it's easy to make the connection with classy and, and Kuman because of the, of, of the Dutch uh, connection there. But yeah, you know, you look at some of those players and, and they don't quite fit. They don't quite work and whether, you know, every every player, every manager has to have a few players on the squad that are his, that he wants, to, that are just the right yeah. type of, of 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 person, and then somebody they can work with. And you know, but to to, and I think maybe with the market swing and things like that, so you have to pay what you have to pay for them. But it sucks to see our two kind of record signings sitting out there on loan at places where, and they haven't gone classy places. You know, Celta Vigo and and, and Leganes are not going to probably set the world alight uh, th- this season. Um, but you know, hopefully we, I, I'm just hoping that the guys we have brought in that El Nusi and, 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 uh, and Armstrong and things like that can kind of fill in for them and, and, and take over, you know, I think there's a very specific way things are done at Southampton. And I think Pule lost that kind of way a little bit. We've got very defensive and that's not the way Southampton play. There, there was this saying a lot when, um, when Katarina Lieber took over and, and we got the, oh, his name loses me now um he was a u.s hockey coach came uh, kruger. Over. kruger yeah um he he came over and there was this phrase the southampton way and it was used a lot in marketing it was used a lot and and we went away from that a bit and i think that some of the players hughes has come in he knew the southampton way he was a he was a Southampton player before so uh-huh. he was obviously going to get a fan's vote straight away he knew how it worked and i think he went in to shake it up a few players and buffal was one of them who was frustrated in himself because he couldn't perform at the level he wanted to. He's clearly a talented lad. Mm-hmm. He clearly knows that he can move the ball very fluidly. He can scare defenders, but he doesn't have that final touch, whether that's a pass cross or a shot. And so I think Mark Hughes really challenged him on it and really pushed him and, and he kicked off, didn't he? And they had a big old falling out. Yeah. And if there's one person that you don't want to do that with, it's someone like Mark Hughes who trained under, say, Alex Ferguson, who never took anything from his players he's famously thrown a, a football boot at david beckham and so mark hughes learned from this from this absolute sort of really hard manager and i think he'll be the same so 
I think the two players that you, you mentioned there, Bufal's gone out for a different reason. Bufal's gone out because I don't think Mark Hughes wants him at the club. Right. He was training separately for a while as well, wasn't he? So I think that, he, and, and we just couldn't sell him. So a loan is a good way to save on wages. Um, and I think Hughes, I saw it on the back of the Echo, so you have to you have to guess whether it's truth or not with the Echo, but um, it was on the back of there saying that Hughes wasn't up for buying any more players until we got rid of some of the others. And I think our wage bill was really, really high. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he sent out people like Bufal. Um, and Carrillo, I think, is probably, I don't know the details. Has he got? A, I'm guessing he's got a buy clause in there so that Pellegrino could buy him on. Um, at the I'm, end of the year, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, it does make sense, though, doesn't it? It does yeah. sound like it's something that he'd want to move him on. We never saw what we needed from him, but to give him credit, he came in at the most difficult time to join a club ever. And and there are very few players who can come in to the Premier League for the first time and suddenly perform at a time that we needed goals. And um, so yeah, I think it was a bit a bit unfair. And I don't think we shipped him out because he's not good enough or maybe he doesn't do the Southampton way. I just think that Pellegrino, he wanted to follow Pellegrino and hopefully go to a club where the pressure isn't as high. I don't know. I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. No, no, no. I think, I think that we, we needed to bring in somebody who was going to score goals immediately. And because of the way we were playing, I think that would have had to be somebody who could score goals and create them on their own. And that was never going to be Carrillo's thing. And just the method that we were going about playing the ball around, we weren't creating enough chances. We created more chances early on in the season, um, but they were falling to guys like Nathan Redmond, who was having trouble hitting the target. Mm. Um, and then as, as as time went on, we were creating fewer and fewer chances. And it was, you know, he, he got tied to Pellegrino because they had played or he, they'd played together before, been together before. That never that wasn't going to win him any favors because everybody wanted Pellegrino out at that point anyway. As soon as Pellegrino went, it it didn't take very long for for Carrillo to to find his way to to the bench and then eventually to the reserves. And fairness to him, he tried, he played, he always looked like he was trying. It just didn't really ever seem like a like the proper fit. No. And uh, you you would have, I think we would have been better served to go out and get a striker who was going to be able to do things on their own. You know whether that's, you know I. You can't just always wish for for guys, but you, you know, Mane would have been a better striker, even though he's not necessarily a, a, a number nine. Yeah. He would have been a better striker for us in that moment because he he can go out and and cause things to happen on his own, where uh, we just weren't creating th- those things. I, th- I think, and that I think looking back on last season, maybe my opinion on that has changed because I think, um, you know, once again trying to see the positive last year, he him, Creo coming in, I wanted uh, I wanted him to work out. It just it just kind of didn't happen. So yeah, I agree. I agree, and and I think you're right. It it was difficult for anyone coming in, not just because of the pressure, not just like Carrillo coming in from abroad, but also he wasn't getting any service, and no one was getting any service. You think like Gabbiadini when he first came to us, knocked in goals straight away. He was getting service. I really felt sorry for him. He looked like one of the most deflated players at the end of last season because the games he was getting, the time he was being given. He would be given like a first half to try and make an impact, but he got zero deliveries to him. And then he'd get subbed off at half time or on 70 minutes, and he had had nothing. And he's a player that will always score goals, but he needs to have someone brilliantly linking up, and we didn't do that. So I think it was a hard season for strikers last season. Um, 
And maybe it would have been different if someone like Austin had stayed fit because he can create them from nothing or he's, he's like Harry Kane was for England. He's just always in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And one thing Charlie Austin does in addition to making fantastic jokes and making fun of people is, is scoring those goals. So, um, which, which is something Harry Kane can't say in terms of making jokes and making people laugh because he just seems to be, um, <laughs> slight, <laughs> you know, whenever he, it, uh, it's not the brightest, um, a spark plug in the engine is he that's the simplest one. no no he doesn't it come across that but he seems to well you know we're getting off topic but he seems to um to be a good captain for england so we'll see yeah it, it seems like one of those guys where you know you would make everybody be making a bunch of jokes and he would try it and then you just got you know pat him on the shoulder and, and keep going because uh, <laughs> you just keep scoring goals harry yeah what yeah what a, um i mean well, for we've, you we've now replaced one of the players so with with um Elianusi, though, who is exciting me, he does seem really exciting. Um, he only obviously got half a game against Derby, and I didn't see that, but he seems to be like somewhere in between Buffal and Mane in that he can really frighten players. He can move the ball along, but he can also put a cross in perfectly, or he can he can hit the target. And so I'm really excited. I think they're calling it. I think his nickname's Moy. I've heard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's that's right, but he's really exciting me. He really is. Yeah, I'm. I am looking forward to watching him and, and Armstrong looked really good. I, I paid the five pounds to watch Darby, but Armstrong looked really good uh, in, in that game. So um, yeah, my, my one concern right now is if we play that three, four, three, do we have the holding midfielders uh, or the guys in central midfield that can make that work? Because it looked last week, like we lacked a little bit of control against Darby. Like we weren't able to, to kind of control the game without that extra midfielder in there to kind of dictate, help dictate play and break play up. Um, so that's my one concern. I think Romeo is, is maybe slightly too defensive. Lamina box to box guy can get up and down, but can, can they, can they dictate the play enough? And I'm not, I'm not sure, but I, I, I hope uh, that we can do that. It's a tough one, isn't it? And it, like, I really like that shape. I think that we play so well with that shape. However, there are times, yeah, I don't know that the players we have, especially for central midfield, are for that. And Armstrong's by trade a central midfielder, isn't he? Where did he play against for Darby, against Derby? He played in the front three. Um, okay. Or maybe no, no, that's not right. He played in central midfield with uh, with Lamina, I think. So I've I've been seeing rumours of of, and I think it was on like a Liverpool forum or, or another Premier League or Tottenham or Everton talking about. Lamina going there and it was only from opposite fans so I, I really hope someone like like buying in Armstrong and, and central midfielders doesn't mean Lamina goes because he is very exciting to watch and I think what we need to do is free him up a bit yeah. have a holding midfielder and a very defensive left midfielder like Romeo and give Lamina the freedom to move to that box to box because when he does it and does it well he he's very exciting and he can hit the ball from what seems like he's got the ball tangled in his feet and suddenly he just pings this shot that you'd never have seen coming. Right. I think if we can free him up this season and let him play the game he wants to play, we're going to see a very different um, attack sort of moving forward from, yeah, exactly, box to box. Yeah. Um, Armstrong can play in the number 10 role, um, which isn't there in that in that three four three. Um, he can play out wide and in, in the front three, but the, the front three that we had, we had, you know, either Austin or Gabadini up front and then Redmond and Elnusi were playing out wide. And I think Armstrong went out wide at one point. Um, but, but having that kind of fluidity to be able to, 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 to move in and out and, and, and switch flanks, which Elnusi and, um, and Redmond did quite frequently during the match. It, 
that'll be good. And I think I look at, I look at Armstrong and in my mind, I just see, you know, like a, a younger Stephen Davis, you know, a slightly yeah, more. Me too. <laughs> and so I think that's, that's exactly good. That's how I think of it. That's, that's what's kind of what we, what we need because Davis did well for us. He's just gotten kind of ponderous and a little bit slow on the ball and, um, no, nothing against him. He was fantastic for so many years and I still like watching him play, but just didn't quite seem to have the pace last year to be able to, to make it tick, which was what we need. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I completely agree. I said that to my wife. I said that he is the, the young Stephen Davis. I hope Davis stays with us and moves into like a coaching role or something because he seems to have that head on him, but he's got that experience that some of the young people could really learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, Armstrong's exciting though. I'm glad to hear he can play in those sorts of positions. I was watching the, the video on, on YouTube of, um, their goals, like goal practice, shooting uh-huh. practice. And he just stepped up his first one, stepped up, put it in the back of the net beautifully. So it's nice to see someone who can really hit the back of the net. Um, but in that same video, someone who didn't score for quite a while, I think they were doing a thing where if you scored, you, you could go and sit down. And uh, Redmond's, Redmond didn't. He went right to the end with Harrison Reed, who's obviously the young one of the group. Um, but Redmond didn't. He kept missing the target again and again and again. And it didn't fill me back with confidence. I think he's a great player. I really like him. He's young. He's fast. He scares defense. But I'm... Do you think he's going to hit the target this season? Can he can he step up and do it? Because I think this is his crunch time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean he's got he's got to do it now. It, it, him him James Ward Prowse Matt Target they're all getting to that point where they have to to do it now. Mm-hmm. You know the, the 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 I guess the promise of of them doing it eventually is is starting to get to the point where we can't rely on that anymore. Um, mm. And you know one of those things is, is is some guys you know on their Instagram stories they have their 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 messages turned off where you can't actually message them through that. Um, and I always feel weird, you know, like it, if they do something really, really cool or awesome in the game and, and they put a story up and then you message them, like, is that okay? First of all, like if it's out there, sometimes you just say, Hey, nice job. But you don't expect a response for them to ever see it, but you just want to do it. Mm. But Redmond turned that all that off because we get in so much abuse last year. And oh, that's a shame. And I think I that think anyone should get that. Yeah. And so you look at that and you just go like, okay, like your confidence is gone. He was in LA training during the off season. And I watched a lot of those, those videos and on his Instagram and things like that. Mm. And he, he was working on a lot of things. It wasn't soccer specific. It wasn't football specific. He wasn't working on shooting or anything like that. He was just working on his body and things like that. So yeah, you just hope that, that he got a little bit of confidence from doing the things that I think he's good at, which is running, sprinting, um, you know, he, he's fit in that, in that regard. Mm. Um, so hopefully he came back with a little bit of renewed confidence and that, and it carries over. Uh, I don't, but I don't yeah. know if it will, um, especially when we, when we talk about him, you know, missing the, the, the goals during, during training and things like that. So it, it would be nice if we were at the point though, where we didn't need him to score. Um, and I think last season he had so much pressure on him because we needed goals from anywhere on the pitch. And so he, he's got the confidence to just have a shot from anywhere. And I think that probably got people on the wrong side of him because he was just shooting it, it would go sky high and he was shooting when there were other chances on the table that probably would have been knocked in. It would be nice if we can get him to the, get him to the point where he just is the player that runs like mad and really scares defenses but get him really good at knowing when to pass the ball off to someone like Charlie Austin or Gabbiadini or whoever that is who can bury it every single time. That, I think, would make him a great player. And, and I think that people have seen 
greatness in him. I think it was at Pep Guardiola last season when he was at Man City, kept right. just saying, you're a really, really great player. He came up to him at the end of the game, I think. Uh-huh. I think I'm right in that. And he was just saying, you're a really, really great player and, and, uh, and, and told him, I think it was when Pellegrino was getting us to play really defensive. Right, and, right. And we held our own. And he, I think he went on rather controversially and said, you shouldn't be playing defensively. Go and play your game. You're a great player. And I think that's what they said he said. So people can see quality of him, in him, even great managers like Pep. So. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say that, that Ed Redmond is anywhere near as dynamic as Raheem Sterling, who didn't have the greatest World Cup, but was fantastic for, for City last year that he had those issues as well, where he struggled to hit the target and, and, you know, Guardiola has, has managed to turn that around and he missed yeah. a lot of chances, but he created so many in that team. It was a part of so many chances that, it, you know, he scored a ton of goals and, you know, was, was one of those players that I, I really enjoyed watching last year in, in, in Sterling. I really, and that whole city team. It's interesting to say you think he didn't have a, a good World Cup and so many people have said that, but I actually watched him from a different point of view. I didn't want him to score goals. I wanted to do him to do exactly what he did. And I think that's where I'm coming from with Redmond is he just really wound up defenses and he ran off the ball. And a lot of the, the goals that Harry Kane scored from those heads was just Sterling darted forward on those corners and really sort of confused defenders and, and pulled them away. Right, right, and I'd right. love to see Redmond do it the same as, as Sterling did in the World Cup because it would just free off the fact that normally when Austin's on the pitch, there's three defenders around him on every corner mm-hmm. or, and those sorts of things. And if, if he can do that, well, that's a good enough job for me. Yeah, yeah. No, and I guess my me saying that I, I do, I do. I'm not discounting everything that Redmond did over the World Cup. It's just, or sorry, that Sterling did over the World Cup. It was just the the goals weren't there, and I think a lot of people were expecting him to do that. But like you said, yeah, everyone he, said it though. He did a lot of stuff off the ball that was very important to England, even earning those corners or getting themselves into positions where they could score from set pieces. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's he's been he's been pretty fantastic. Um. We do have a, uh, a a listener question, yeah, um, from Stephen Brandt, who or Stephen Charles Brandt, who is the actual owner and host of the podcast I was on last night of the Yellow Card Podcast. But he says, "What's one player that you think uh, you need to see improvement in this year? Would it be Redmond, uh, or, or what? What player in the squad do you think needs to improve from last year to this year uh, to help us have a kind of successful season?" I think I would say Redmond, but we've talked about him a lot. So the other one I think is at crunch time is James Ward Prowse. I'm a little bit upset he would like if he had, had a, if Saints had had a better season I think he might have been in like the reserves to come maybe get called up to the England squad because he is the best set piece taker in the Premier League and he's not the 50 million pound price tag he but I honestly think he's the best corner taker in the Premier League I think that with a bit bit more seeing a bit more of him he'll be the best free kick taker in the Premier League he can put that ball on a <laughs> a, a, a 10 10 cents piece is that, is that thing in the US? He can, if you say put it there, he will cross the ball and put it there. And that makes him incredible from both set pieces and free play. What we need to see more from him is that I think a bit more confidence, a bit, a bit, bit more, definitely upper body strength and put the ball in for those crosses rather than shooting from outside the box and skying it. I think it's his crunch time now. He's got to a good age. He looks strong in the team. He needs to deliver every single week and do what we want him to do, and and, and he will be he'll have a huge price tag on, on him if he if he does do that this year. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think he's going to have to find a place in the team. You know, um, mm. I'm not sure the three four three suits him. He played out wide uh, for us last year. I'm not sure, and we talked about this a lot last week. 
um, as to where he's going to fit in. Um, and he's just got to make it his own because now with Tadich gone too, you know, I think Bertrand is the set piece taker uh, for, for the most part. And I, I don't know, you know, uh, if, if Prowse can get on the, t- on the field, he takes them and he, it'll be great because we know that we'll get a quality delivery yeah. almost all of the time. And, you know, you just, you have to, you have to make those chances count as a, as a premier league team. Otherwise um, you, you take yourself out of a lot of, uh, of, of, you lose out a lot of, a lot of opportunities to score. So, and he can't, he can't just be on the field because he's good at set pieces. That's not enough. There's only 11 players on the field, right. 10 outfield players. So it's not enough that he's a great set piece taker. And I think sometimes that's why he got chances last year, because like we were in the position where, well, we need goals, our best chances to get them from set pieces. This season needs to be different for the positivity of the team. So you're right. He needs to find his place and it's this season or never. I think I hate to say that for someone who's so young, but right. he's had so much sort of buzz around him that it's now or never, I think, especially with Southampton. Yeah. Any, any kind of last minute thoughts or last uh, final thoughts on the, on the team as we kind of wrap it up? We're approaching the yeah. hour mark. <laughs> Are we really? I could talk for more. Oh, no. I, me too. I just have to edit it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think that we should go in with real positivity. And in a message to Saints fans who are listening, sing every single note. And if you go into a game on Saturday, like the first game of the season, or whenever it is, if you go in on a Saturday and watch a football match at St. Mary's, you shouldn't be able to talk till Monday. And I honestly believe that at the Dell it was the same. And, and I mean, it sucks for me. I do podcasts and voiceovers. And so if I go to a Saints game, I have to like book the next day off from doing voiceovers because you should be singing your hearts out and really get behind the team. And, and keep the board stuff, if it goes that way and we don't perform, keep the board stuff off the pitch. I don't want, look, you don't want a West Ham from last year. Keep that off the pitch and just get behind the lads because when we did that last season, when we got behind players like Tadic, they were different people. And I hope we do that this year. You know, I'm just going to f- follow that up. There were a couple of um, fans who are, I guess, the generation ab- above me um, and, and have been supporting the team for a long time. And they, they echoed that they told me, you know, if, if you learn one thing from your trip over here, it's that you, you, like, look, basically look me in the eye. I am not happy with how things are going, but you're never going to be able to tell that when I'm in the stands, you know, as, as bad as the West Ham match was. And some of them said, I would rather, leave than abuse the players. Um, but I'm going to come, you know, my, my letters to the board or my, um, you know, my sentiment to, to them will, I will get my point across, but it doesn't need to happen, you know, you know, in public all of the time. And I think that's a, that's a change. That's a, that's a, that's a different point of view from how a lot of, um, and I don't want to say it's not a younger generation, but it's, it's definitely a change in, in how society functions. We, we are now much more likely to complain out loud on Twitter. You know, um, it's the difference between sending a direct message to Delta or adding them in front of everybody so everybody can see it, uh, you know, that you've had a bad flight experience, you know. Um, I, there were two things that my dad taught me. One, we've we've learned that was I wasn't allowed to sit in the stand, swearing stand until I was old enough to swear. But the other one was that you never boo your football team. And I think that that happened way too much last season because you just don't boo the team. You get behind them. 
and men, well, we saw from Leicester a few seasons ago that a positive mental attitude can do anything and it can even win you the Premier League when you haven't got the players to do it. And if we get behind the team, I know that they'll have a good season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I guess the only thing is the, the club has to, have to, has to give you the opportunity to express your, your frustration with them um, yeah. without it being having to take place on, on the pitch, you know? Um, yeah. so I, I think, I think mistakes were made all, all around and we can all kind of look at it and learn from it, move forward and hopefully have, you know, a really good season and just have some excitement, have some, have some fun and actually kind of enjoy it because that's, that's why we're doing That's why we're, I mean, we're fans for through thick and thin, but you know, ultimately this is, this should be a release for the fans. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like a drain on, on everybody's <laughs> mental, mental, uh, you know, toughness or whatever it is to, to, to go through this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be enjoyable. And it was, it, you go back years, even when we were in relegation battles, it was still enjoyable. We still sung our hearts out and, and, uh, and hopefully we can do that again this season. And, and I think that, I think we're in a, a much better place than we were at the beginning of last season. Yeah, absolutely. Forget yeah. the Derby result. Forget that. That didn't happen. Nah, just, it's, <laughs> if, uh, if we go into Burnley and it turns out like that, then we can go like, Oh no, but you know, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. hopefully we'll be all right. We will. I'm sure. All right. Um, so, so Chris, people can follow you on Twitter at Chris Huskins. Uh, I believe it's the same on Instagram. Um, that's right. Yeah. I'll put links to all that stuff, uh, in, in the pod tips groups, um, in, in the, uh, in the show notes. So, uh, people yeah. can go follow you and um, anybody that's ever, that's interested in any kind of aspect of podcasting. There are tons of people in there asking questions and having discussions on everything from, you know, how to record a podcast, uh, types of podcasts, equipment to use, um, all that stuff. So all of that is available. Uh, and and I as I've been doing this now for, you know, a year and a half, almost two years. And if you count the stuff that I've done with, with the school um, and I've. I am in there every day and I learn from it every day. So thank you for that. And thanks for taking the time out of your, uh, your busy week, uh, in the heat to, to come in and talk with me. The pleasure has been all mine. Thank you so much. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton delivery podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks to my guest, Chris Huskins. He's on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Huskins, and he's on Facebook at Plan Build Grow. Uh, links to all those are in the show notes along with his LinkedIn. Check him out if you're at all interested in maybe starting a podcast or maybe you have one, uh, or maybe you just don't know how to grow whatever it is you're doing. Check him out. He can help you. Um, also, Chris, I feel like I let you down a little bit with the audio. I'll do better next time. I apologize. Uh, you can find this show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We're at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Instagram and Twitter. And we're at Facebook.com forward slash SFCDelivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. There's also an email address for the show, SouthamptonDelivery at gmail.com. There are two L's in delivery. Um, if you haven't gotten that through your head and you've been listening in a while, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Anyway, get in touch with us any way you want. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know uh, what you maybe would like to see changed. Uh, and maybe we'll do it. No promises. Um, because I find I break those if I make them. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you have trouble with that, once again, let me know and I will help you out. 
Shout out to our partner, the Southampton page. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for all your Southampton news and needs. Uh, They are really getting it done, uh, especially on the Instagram page. Our logo is designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Uh, For all your match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to follow the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt designed a new logo for the show that will debut uh, just ahead of the Burnley game. So uh, thanks to Matt for doing that. All music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. As always, I ask that if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Uh, And until next time, remember that together, we march on.